to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be covering um, chapters 17 through 20 in the book of Deuteronomy. And before we begin, we're going to start out with a quick prayer. Father, I am tempted to worry about so many things. Our world is a mess. Forgive me for focusing on anything or anyone but you. Thank you for the Bible that equips and empowers me to live each day. Right now, I declare that you are my only hope. Please help me remember that you really are in control. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapter 17. Never sacrifice sick or defective cattle, sheep, or goats to the Lord your God, for he detests such gifts. When you begin living in the towns the Lord your God is giving you, a man or woman among you might do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and violate the covenant. For instance, they might serve other gods or worship the sun, the moon, or any of the stars, the forces of heaven, which I have strictly forbidden. When you hear about it, investigate the matter thoroughly. If it is true that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then the man or woman who has committed such an evil act must be taken to the gates of the town and stoned to death. But never put a person to death on the testimony of only one witness. There must always be two or three witnesses. The witnesses must throw the first stones and then all the people may join in. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. Suppose a case arises in a local court that is too hard for you to decide. For instance, whether someone is guilty of murder or only of manslaughter, or a difficult lawsuit or a case in involving different kinds of assault, take such legal cases to the place the Lord your God will choose and present them to the Levitical priests or the judge on duty at that time. They will hear the case and declare the verdict. You must carry out the verdict they announce and the, sent- and the sentence they prescribed at the place of the Lord cho- chooses. You must do exactly what they say after they have in interpreted the law and declared their verdict, the sentence they impose must be fully executed. Do not modify it in any way. Anyone who, anyone arrogant enough to reject the verdict of the judge or of the priest who represents the Lord your God must die. In this way, you will purge the evil from Israel. Then everyone else will hear about it and be afraid to act so arrogantly. Guidelines for a king. You're about to enter the land the Lord your God has given you. When you take it over and settle there, you may think, We should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. If this happens, be sure to select as a king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite 
he may not be a foreigner. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver and gold for himself. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself the body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way, and it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. So here in chapter 17, in um, verses 8 through 13, um, we see that submission to authority is a concept that is largely lost in our culture, but it is consistent with biblical teaching. God is our supreme authority. The Bible also mentions other authority structures that will support strong relationships in an orderly community. All of us are to be submissive to God. Wives and husbands are to be submissive to each other. Children to parents, employees to employers, church members to elders, etc. Chapter 18, Gifts for the Priests and Levites. Remember that the Levitical priests, that is, the whole of the tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of land among the other tribes of Israel. Instead, the priests and Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. They will have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession, just as he promised them. These are the parts of the priests make claim as their share from the cattle, sheep, and goats that the people bring as offerings, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. You must also give to the priests the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. Suppose a Levi chooses to move from his town in Israel, Wherever he is living to the place the Lord chooses for worship, he may minister there in the name of the Lord, his God, just like all his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may eat his share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he also receives support from his family. A Call to Holy Living When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you. Be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nation living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, and do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens 
or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does this, these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done the detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. True and False Prophets Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested from the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore to see the blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, What they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally heal, I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who, or who speaks in the name of another god must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. Here in chapter uh, in chapter eighteen, we need to keep in mind to beware of the occult. Many people will think they can dabble in the occult without doing any harm, least of all to themselves. The Bible, however, condemns these activities in no uncertain terms. Mark this well. Meaningful spiritual or emotional growth is impossible for anyone who is taking part in occult activities. Chapter 19 Cities of Refuge When the Lord your God destroys the nations whose land he is giving you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you into three districts, with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. If someone kills another person unintentionally, without previous hostility, the slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down the, and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. 
That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your ancestors and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land of the Lord your God has given you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. But suppose someone is hostile toward a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for the murderer. Purge from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people. Then all will go well with you. Concern for Justice When you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you as special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their property. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priests and judges in office at that time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. Then the rest of the people will hear about it and be afraid to do such an evil thing. You must show no pity for the guilty. Your rule should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Uh, In chapter 19, in verse 14, uh, we must remember that it is important to God that we respect the property of others. This verse forbids the moving of landmarks, specifically addressing the issue of real estate rights. Physical landmarks are an important kind of personal boundary. As we relate to others, we need to be sure that we respect the legitimate boundaries that they set up, physical or emotional. As we reflect honestly on our lives, looking to confess our wrongs, we should pay close attention to this boundary issue. In what ways have we trespassed wrongly in other people's lives? Verse 20, in verse 21, this is the famous La, uh, Lex Talionis Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It is the simplest form of the law of retribution. Given this kind of context, the task of restoring relationship with God and others should be virtually impossible. According to this form of law, all the wrongs we have ever committed would have to be committed against us for our guilt to be done away with. How wonderful that God has provided His Son to take the punishment on our behalf. Our spiritual renewal and restoration of relationships can only take place in the environment of grace that has been created by the work 
of Jesus Christ. Chapter 20, Regulations Concerning War. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, Has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. You might be killed in the battle and someone else would dedicate your house. Has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten any of its fruit? If so, you may go home. You might die in battle and someone else would eat the first fruit. Has anyone here just become engaged to a woman but not yet married her? Well, you may go home and get married. You might die in battle and someone else would marry her. Then the officers will also say, Is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. When the officers have finished speaking to the troops, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms of peace, for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, Use your swords to kill every man in the town, but you may keep your for your, yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the plunder from your enemies that the Lord your God has given you, but these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to the towns of the nations and the land you will enter. In those towns that the Lord your God has given you, as a special possession, destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Just as the Lord your God has commanded you, this will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which would cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God. When you are attacking a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are the trees your enemies that you should attack them? You may only cut down the trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. So here in chapter 20, in the very first verse, do not be afraid. This great and encouraging imperative appears often in the Bible. It has occurred dozens of times in this book, and here in the context of enemies, it seems particularly significant. Even as we face impossible odds, we should not fear, 
God is able to accomplish His will for us against all odds. So today, Moses has been giving laws for how things will shift once they're no longer camping in the desert. He gives laws about worship today. They're entering foreign territory where pagan gods are revered. If anyone worships other gods, there will be a trial involving at least two witnesses before the death penalty is given. And the witnesses will carry out justice. If they're lying, then they'll be guilty of murder. And because these situations can be complex and challenging, God sets up a court of appeals made up of judges and priests to handle the more difficult matters. Moses predicts there will be a day when they look around and think, all these other nations have kings, we want one too. When the time comes, it will be important for their kings not to be drawn to wealth, horses, or women. The prohibition against accumulating these is supposed to keep them humble, trusting in God for their provision and protection. Wealth can lead a person's heart astray. Horses represent power, which is usually about military prowess. And acquiring foreign wives is often a way of making political alliances with other nations, which are all pagan, which also means the women might lead their hearts astray. The king needs to have his own book with God's laws written in it so he can read it daily for the rest of his life. His heart is at stake. Power has a way of corrupting people and leading them off the path of righteousness. But reading God's word daily will keep him upright and humble. God promises to raise up a new prophet from among them, someone who hears from him and speaks his words to them. This is why it's such a slap in God's face for them to seek answers from mediums or fortune tellers. Not only are those people wicked, but the Israelites themselves already have access to God and his counsel. God will hold the prophet accountable for what he says, and he will hold the people accountable to listen to him. Military endeavors for this particular nation-state are unique, because God is their commander-in-chief. He says not to fear large army armies. In fact, he already defeated large armies on their behalf. God is always the bigger army, always the majority. Because of that, he doesn't mind at all if their army is smaller. He tells the officers to spread the news. Are you a young soldier with a new wife or a house or garden? Go home and enjoy. You don't have to go to war with us. We'll be fine without you. Are you afraid? You're free to go. Fear is communicable. So we only want people here who trust in God and His promises. God gives different commands for how to deal with cities outside the promised land versus inside. Approach those outside the land with peace. If they return to peace, take the city peacefully. If they don't comply, kill the men and take everyone and everything as plunder. For cities inside the land, God is accomplishing at least three things through his processes. He's fulfilling his promise of land to Israel. 
he's aiming to wipe out the signs of adultery so they don't tempt the Israelites, and he's using Israel as a mean of enacting justice on the wicked nations. He tells Israel to completely wipe out the current inhabitants. On the surface, it's hard to see this is a good and just command from God, but as we continue reading, we'll begin to see the wisdom in his instructions. Three times today, Moses said, Purge the evil one from your midst. This indicates capital punishment. Paul uses this phrase in 1 Corinthians 5.13 when giving instructions about people walking in blatant rebellion with the church, within the church. He tells the church to purge the evil person from among them. But in Paul's letter, it's not a call for capital punishment. It's a command to disassociate in hopes that the consequences might awaken the person to the reality of their sin, prompting repentance. In the long arc of God's storyline, we see how much he leans into grace towards his kids. Because Christ received our punishment, he gives so many second chances, so much time to repent. Despite the fact that we deserve to be purged in the original sense, He's patient with us when we sin against Him and question His heart. Even when we don't believe it or remember it, He's where the joy is. That's our reading today, and I just want to leave you all off once again with a daily devotional. Try to view each day as an adventure, carefully planned out by your guide. Instead of staring into the day that is ahead of you, attempting to program it according to your will, be attentive to me and to all I have prepared for you. Thank me for this day of life, recognizing that it is a precious, unrepeatable gift. Trust that I am with you each moment, whether you sense my presence or not. A thankful, trusting attitude helps you to see events in your life from my perspective. A life lived close to me will never be dual or predictable. Expect each day to, main, to contain surprises. Resist your tendency to search for the easiest route through the day. Be willing to follow wherever I lead. No matter how steep or treacherous the path before you, the safest place to be is by my side. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Bible Podcast. I hope you all have a great day and God bless each and every one of you.